Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Tim Harris. It's time for Tim with Tim. Uh, each day, Monday through Friday, we take about 10 minutes. We go verse by verse. And today we're finishing up uh, the letter of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we'll be today. Uh, we're going to finish 1 Timothy today. We're going to start the book of Hosea tomorrow. And that'll be the end of uh, uh, our 2023 in Tim with Tim. Uh, by my records, in the last year, we did First and Second Kings. We did the book of Jonah, the book of Nahum. We did the entire book of Acts. We did the entire book of Isaiah, 66 chapters. We did Jude, Second and Third John. We did 12 chapters of Proverbs. We did the book of Ephesians, the book of Job, the book of First Timothy. Finish today, and then we'll finish up the book of Hosea. That's a pretty good year, you guys. Guys, that's a pretty good year. We did good. And a 2024 is going to be good as well. But let's finish up the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, uh, Paul is finishing up uh, his instructions to Timothy, who is in the church at Ephesus, to try to make corrections with the false teachers, to replace uh, poor leaders with uh, the establishment of good leaders. And uh, chapter 6 wraps it up. Verses 1 and 2, I think, are odd, these instructions to slaves. And when I say odd, I'm not criticizing God's Word. I'm just saying that when you're reading through the book, it is not uh, immediately obvious why Paul, in the middle of you know, 1 Timothy, chooses to give these instructions to slaves. It just doesn't make sense to us. Now, there are several reasons for that. First off, uh, slavery meant something different in the ancient world than it does now. And, and I, I know, I'm not saying that slavery was a good thing. I'm just saying it, it wasn't the same social institution in the Roman Empire that it was in, in our minds, you know, in the, you know, uh, South back before the Civil War. Um, for example, in the Roman Empire, slavery was not racially based. Uh, for example, in the Roman Empire, sometimes a person would voluntarily enter into slavery in order to improve their social standing. There were certain professions that were only filled by slaves, uh, teachers, for example, and physicians. And so for that reason, slavery, it, 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 it wasn't the same thing. And, and so we have to be really careful when we project all of our you know, assumptions about the evils of, you know, Southern, you know, slavery, uh, you know, pre-Civil War in the United States, you know, racially based, you know, Africans, you know, brought here, sold, you know, none of that really reflects the reality of slavery in the Roman Empire that, that what Paul is speaking of here. That's one of the reasons why, you know, because, you know, I, I want Paul always to stand up against slavery like he does in the book of Philemon. Um, but here, basically, Paul is saying, slaves, you know, respect your masters. He's, he's helping them to uh, be content in their social status. Uh, I, I know there are things that bother us about that, but, but let's try to make sense of what Paul is saying in this context. Um, first off, it seems like, I think we talked about this last week, it seems like one of the problems in the you know Ephesian church, of course, is the false teachers, but the nature of their teaching seems to be what I called an overrealized eschatology. In other words, they're little over enthusiastic that time is short, Jesus is coming back, so nothing matters, you know. And so, if you're a slave, I mean, Paul says that you know in Christ it doesn't matter if you're slave or free. Um, but at the same time, Paul also says, listen. 
Of course, time is short, uh, but, but the only thing that matters is the gospel. So just stay as you are, you know, don't, you know, rush to get married. Don't rush to get a divorce. If you're a slave, don't rush to, you know, be free. And none of these earthly, uh, you know, social, uh, you know, categories matter at, at all when uh, we are in Christ. Uh, and, and so, again, that sort of plays both ways, but it sounds like the false teachers, whatever they were saying, it was causing tension between the relations between Christian slaves and their Christian masters. And so that's why Paul here says, listen, even if the masters are believers, that's no excuse for being disrespectful. Uh, and notice that Paul's uh, motivation here is again what's good for the gospel. We don't want to bring a bad, you know, taste in people's mouths for the gospel. Paul was very conscious in the ancient world in the Roman Empire not to position Christianity as an, an anti-social movement. He wanted to, you know, uh, continue to emphasize the way that. You know the gospel itself was not an enemy to the Roman, you know, Roman power structures, so that the gospel wouldn't meet, you know, immediate opposition and persecution from the powers that be. So, like it or not, that's Paul's advice there. Uh, and again, the the bottom line is what's good for the gospel. Now, from there, he gives a few final words about about the teachers and ends up giving a really good. Um, uh, final teaching when it comes to money. So let's go straight to that. It, it seems also clear from from what Paul says that um, that the false teachers are uh, are using their teaching as a as a means of getting rich. Now it's interesting that in that context, Paul, you know, when he's talking about leaders, says, "Hey, they ought to be paid. It's okay that they should be paid, but at the same time, they shouldn't be greedy and they shouldn't see Christian ministry as as just a a, a means to wealth." And so here, Paul giving instructions to young Timothy says uh, in verse 6, true godliness with contentment itself, that's great wealth, that's great gain. So in other words, you want to chase after something in this life? Chase after godliness and combine that with contentment. And, uh, and you're going to be the richest person in the world. I, I love that. Godliness is the goal. I love that. And contentment is, is what godliness needs in order for godliness to persist in the midst of this present culture. Contentment is hard for us. Can we just say that? It was hard in Paul's day. He knew that he was encouraging Timothy towards something that was uh, countercultural. And, and it's much more true now. You know, I mean, T Timothy did not have an, you know, an Amazon purchase history, you know, as the rest of us do now in, in our day and age. There are many challenges for us you know, in, in, in living in this kind of commercial world. Um, we have to, as believers, know how to distinguish between uh, a need and a want. In, in this, you know, commercial materialistic culture, we have to learn how to control desires that are continually stimulated by a commercial culture. If you turn on the TV, if you, you know, log on to the internet, you're immediately bombarded with ads. And, and there are smart people paid lots and lots of money to do nothing but spend all day long trying to figure out how to make you want something. And they never stop. They never sleep. And so for that reason, you and I constantly have to learn how to control those desires that are always fanned into flame. Uh, we have to relate to materialistic neighbors, you know, the culture around us that isn't going to understand why we don't want the latest and greatest. You know, why, you know, how in the world can you watch that tiny television? <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever. 
Uh, how, how do you get by with you know that old phone? What is that, an iPhone 4? Oh my goodness, how do you live with that? I mean, you know, that's just, we have to learn how to coexist with people who are so materialistic and will not understand I me. Mean, what are you, Amish? I mean, that's the way they relate to us. Uh, I think one of the things that the materialistic culture does for believers is it causes us not to savor things. I think the key to contentment for the believer is to learn how to savor, you know, to enjoy what you have, to be thankful for what you have, but but you can't possibly be thankful for anything that you take for granted or anything that you just, you know, devour or consume so um very, you know, almost like, you know, robots, you know, like we're our, we're machines and, and we're just devouring and consuming things now so quickly and so mindlessly that we can't even savor them. You don't even enjoy, it, you know, you're like the kids at Christmas that rip open a present, you know, rip it up in another present, rip it up in another present. The parents went into debt to buy them these gifts and buy lunch on Christmas day. They're like, we're bored. You know, like you don't even know, you know, and meanwhile, my father says, you know, on Christmas Day, they used to get an apple and I guess they'd roll that thing around and lick it, you know, and make it last for a month because it was such a special treat. You got an orange, you know, on Christmas and it was the greatest thing ever. And you, you know, you smelled it and you savored it and you made it last. You know, it's just that we have so much now that we don't enjoy it. We can't enjoy any of it. And for that reason, we don't really ever understand how wealthy we already are, you know. So godliness with contentment is, is, is great gain. And final instructions, Paul tells Timothy uh, to run from all these evil things. In other words, the greed, yeah, but also all the false teaching, everything that he's talked about in these six chapters. Uh, he tells him to run after two things, to fight the good fight, and also to uh, take hold of the eternal life to which God has called you. Uh, and then verse 17, you know, one more time, he gives final words to those who are already rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich, but there is a, a, a special set of traps involved with those of us. And I would say all of us, if you're watching me on an iPad or an iPhone or a YouTube TV, then I'm telling you, you're rich. You just are. Other people have more than you and I do, but that doesn't change the fact that we are the most affluent, luxuriating culture that's ever existed on the planet. We have so much more than the rest of the world. Uh, so these words are for us. Uh, don't be proud. Don't trust in your money. It's not reliable. Uh, trust in God. You know, Let God show you the things that add up to real enjoyment. Use your money to do good. Don't forget good works. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget to be generous, you know. So all of those words are for us. Uh, we tend toward pride, greed. We tend to neglect and forget about those who have less. We forget good works when we have so much, so much money and so much to want. Uh, so anyway, Timothy, guard what's entrusted to you. Guard what God has given you. I think in that context, Paul's talking about the gospel, the gospel message, the the ingredient uh, message about Christ. Don't let anything pollute that. Don't turn loose of that. Uh, God's grace be with you all. So that's the end of 1 Timothy. I guess in any other world, we go straight to 2 Timothy. But honestly, I want us to go through the whole Bible. Stick with me. We're going to read the whole Bible together. And it means we got to read the whole Bible. If we go straight to 2 Timothy now, then in the end, we're going to be stuck, you know, reading... Obadiah and Jeremiah and uh, gosh, First and Second Chronicles and those books are long. So I want to save New Testament uh, like dessert, you know, New Testament books that we're going to love uh, and that we'll relate to very quickly. Short, 
Uh, I want to save those books so we can kind of divide up and, and, and not just be putting our nose down and plowing through Old Testament passages that are just harder. Can I just say that? Uh, so anyway, Hosea, tomorrow, Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The first parts aren't bad. Hosea itself is not a long book, so we're going to breeze right through it, but, uh, but you're going to like the first part. Uh, so Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 for tomorrow. Have a beautiful Tuesday. I love you guys, and I'll see you in the morning, uh, Lord willing. 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. Have a great day.